that reminder of, of an app like that and the reminders this morning of uh, dedicating uh, a son to the Lord. There, there are so many blessings in our midst, right? There are so many things for us to be thankful for on a Sunday morning like today. There's so many things going on in our lives. And if we're uh, serious about giving thanks, we should never neglect giving thanks. But I wonder how many times, how many times we get so busy, we get so overwhelmed with life, we get so uh, overwhelmed with uh, negative things going on in our midst that we forget to pause and reflect and give thanks. Ye- yesterday was a great example in, in my own life of a, of a time where I just had a moment to pause and realize how blessed I was in the moment. Uh, yesterday, uh, we, we as a family, we went downtown and we enjoyed the, the festival downtown and uh, walking through the booths and uh, enjoying visiting with many people. Some of you who are here this morning, it's amazing how many people you see when you're out and about, right? Uh, We came home and there were still hours of daylight left and there's still a lot of work to be done and I had a decision to make whether we were just going to crash in the house and neglect all of our chores or if we were going to get to work. And uh, there's a big pile of brush that has been collecting because I like to cut trees down on my property now. Uh, And and so these trees and this brush has just been overgrown behind our hedgerow and I have two uh, uh, able-bodied children at my disposal uh, and so I I enacted slave child labor and um, we got to work yesterday afternoon. And uh, we started pulling some of those branches off of the hedgerow and out into the burn pile that quickly overgrew its uh, specific area. Uh, And uh, we started a fire and we had a wonderful brush uh, uh, fire going in our yard and it was awesome. And we're enjoying, I'm enjoying using my chainsaw to cut pieces up and hand them to the kids to throw onto the fire. And then my neighbors showed up. <laughs> yeah, so you're laughing because you're afraid that the neighbors shut me down. But they didn't. My neighbors uh, directly next door to us are the Putts, a family. They were here in first service. Uh, and they have uh, their own uh, slew of child labor uh, at their disposal. And uh, three, uh, their three boys came over and helped us uh, finish the project. And uh, so did Denise. And uh, it was a, an absolute blast. We had so much fun. And uh, near the end of, the, of our time together, I'm standing there with my big fire stick. Everybody that tends a fire has to have a stick, right? Agreed? A, a stick because maybe you have to hit somebody. I don't know uh, if we're poking at the fire, that kind of stuff. And I'm holding the stick and I'm, I'm just taking a break and I'm leaning up against the tree that's still standing. I haven't cut that one down. Uh, and, and, and I'm just standing there and I'm overlooking this fire and these kids who are just grabbing branches and throwing them on the fire. It's amazing what kids will do to keep a fire going. And I just paused for just a moment and was so thankful for how blessed we are. Uh, with great neighbors, with kids who are able, uh, with property that we love being able to take care of, with uh, opportunities to start fires in our yard. I mean, how blessed are we? Just a couple Fridays ago, again, Jess and I uh, jetted away on my day off in the morning. We dropped Ezra off at school and we got in the car and we headed up to Benazette hoping uh, to spend some time with the elk creatures up there. If you haven't gotten a chance to go up there, uh, you should. 
And we went up to the, the visitor center, we got on the trail, and we went to the very end of the trail where we always loved to go as a family. And we stood at the end of the trail. Nobody else was there yet. The fog still hadn't completely lifted. And, and we we're just standing there by ourselves for that moment with leaves falling, acorns dropping, and we're like, we're going to see like 400 elk in this moment. As soon as this fog lifts. And the bugling started, more bugling than I'd ever heard in my entire life. It was unbelievable. It felt like we were in a theater, in a surrounding sound theater. In fact, Jess kept saying, what if they just put speakers in the woods? What if, what if they're just playing a soundtrack? And the fog lifted and we saw nothing. <laughs> but in those moments, as we just breathed in the Benezet air, as we just enjoyed being out, it wasn't too cold. We were wearing jackets. We weren't buttoned up. It was just a beautiful moment to pause and reflect about how blessed we are to have something like that, quite literally, in our backyard. And we just paused in that moment. And in those moments of pausing and reflecting, there's something that transforms inside us to understand the blessing. And here we are today on a Sunday morning. And Pastor Bob uh, led us in prayer and we were reminded of the, the Burgess family who um, may very well be facing some difficulty in upcoming weeks and months. We don't know. We don't know much about what goes on in uh, churches in other countries where it's not nearly as free. To worship like it is here in Pennsylvania, United States of America. And so we understand a little bit in part. We, we sometimes reflect on the comforts and the ease in which we are able to gather here and acknowledge the blessing of worshiping together as we look around us this morning. We are in the presence of friends and family members, neighbors, and we get to worship freely on padded seats with heat above our heads and a roof, even though it's leaking, above our heads. We're blessed we're blessed by so many physical things. If you use the restroom this morning, you didn't even have to think about at the sink. I hope you went to the sink after you went to the restroom. Can I get an amen? amen. You're with me. You didn't even have to think about whether when you turned that faucet this morning, whether water would come out. We are so abundantly blessed. If you drank coffee in the lobby this morning, it was Sheets coffee. Not just because I plugged in the brewer, but because it's Sheets coffee. We were so blessed. And as Christians today, oftentimes we reflect in seasons of thanksgiving, right? As we approach even uh, specific dates or around Thanksgiving coming up in a month. And maybe it's around birthdays where, where we have designed specific moments in time or, or, or seasons of time. If you walk through any uh, artsy, what's the second word there? I'm not going to say it. Uh, artsy stores, uh, you see all these beautiful signs that have been created that say, Be thankful. Give Thanks. This is the season of autumn where we are trained in our minds to give thanks. And we go through these seasons and then we throw those signs away or put them in storage or we get over it. And after a birthday happens, uh, we're thankful in the moment. We celebrate the birth of someone in our family and we give thanks for them and for their life. And then we move on to the next, the next opportunity. We often take things for granted, but this morning as we 
prepare to give thanks by participating in communion together. I, I, I want us to be overwhelmed again at what we have to be thankful for in this gift of grace. Now, there's nothing magical in these brass trays, believe it or not. There's Welch's grape juice. There's a pretty poor-tasting wafer. <laughs> these are elements that we know, that we're familiar with, that we, we, we do as a part of our tradition. We, we know we take a, a, a piece of the wafer and we take a, a little piece of a, the juice cup and we receive these elements and we talk about them in the moments. And this morning, I, I just want us to be overwhelmed at what it is we get to receive here. Because I think if we're not careful, we neglect or we go through the motions and neglect the heaviness, the reality of the blessing that we have in these elements, in this sacrament of the church. A sacrament means that literally what we are doing here, we are receiving grace again. Grace is one of those terms uh, that we use in the church so often, and we just kind of assume so many times that everybody knows what we mean when we say grace. Kind of like we're, we're, we're trying, we're trying desperately, uh, occasionally, uh, to try to not think like ourselves when we uh, write things in the bulletin or we announce things from the front. We're trying. I want you to hear that, church. We are trying as your staff. We're trying to uh, make opportunity to explain things to those who don't know us. We've been trying for the six years that I've been here uh, to refer to that room out there beyond those doors as the lobby instead of the... <laughs> Some of you have darts on my face. Like, no, it's the narthex. Yeah, narthex. I don't know why we ever called it a narthex. It's been a narthex my whole life. But for people outside, we don't necessarily know what a narthex is when we tell them to go pick something up or sign up in the narthex. They're looking for a room labeled narthex. Similarly, when we talk about grace and the gift we've been given, here in 2019, we can no longer assume that everyone knows what the gift of grace truly is. Grace. Sometimes it's defined very simply as unmerited favor of God, right? That's the uh, stock definition that we often refer to in times of preaching. It's something that we receive and yet we don't deserve it. It's God's favor uh, upon humanity and we can receive it from God. It's not a physical thing. It's not something that's wrapped up in a, a package. But let's be honest this morning. Humanity is, is, is broken. Here's, here's grace in a nutshell. Humanity is broken at its core. We, we don't have to look very far. All right, only the first scroll of headlines reminds us just how broken humanity is. Right? We don't have to go find a page on some news website for us to find out just how poor humanity is. Just how broken and sinful and corrupt and evil humanity is. It doesn't take us long to be reminded how broken we are as human beings. In fact, each of us is at the core broken and sinful. And yet, our Creator, God Himself, God Almighty, Yahweh, perfect, holy, just, righteous, 
created us, gave us an opportunity, and we chose corruption and selfishness, and we choose corruption and selfishness still today. So a perfect creator, an imperfect creation. Uh, in, in my life, in my hobby, uh, one of the things I love to do, and I'm setting up down in our basement now, is my, my shop. And I love creating things with my own hands. I love uh, the start and finish of a project, of having something that was just raw wood, and it becomes something fun to give away, something fun to uh, use as a family. I love that process. There's something awesome about that. And when something I create fails, when something is broken, when something has too many uh, knots, when it has a, a crack through it, guess where it ends up? In the bucket of death. The bucket that I take upstairs and go throw into the main trash, right? When, when something's not correct, if it's unfixable, it goes away. In woodworking terms, because of our brokenness, because of our sin defect, that is our destination. That's the standard. That's where we are destined, right? But God gives us a chance. Not just one chance. Not just two. He gives us grace. He gives us His willingness to accept us with our knots, with our cracks, with our blemishes, with our imperfections, with our unsanded edges. He offers to love us and to make us by His grace, perfect, holy, unblemished in His sight. That's grace. Christian philosopher and theologian talks about grace this way. His name's Dallas Willard. He says this. He wrote this. Quote, grace is not just about forgiveness. If we had never sinned, we would still need grace. Because we still need God acting in our lives. That's what we're built for. Grace is God acting in our life to do what we cannot do on our own. Grace is what we live by. And the human system won't work without it. The saint uses grace the same way a 747 jet burns gas on takeoff. Do you like that? I wish I would have wrote that. Then you could have liked it more. Grace. It's more than forgiveness. Grace is more than a, a pat on the head saying it's going to be okay. Grace is more than a band-aid for the broken way of life we have. We talk about it. We sing about it. Grace, God's grace is forgiveness and freedom. God's grace is mercy and liberation. We sing these words and we say them with our mouths. My chains are gone. I've been set free. But I believe we fall into the same trap that we do about our material blessings. That we receive such blessings. So many things that we have. On the Sunday after pastor appreciation, let me say you are a church that blesses its pastoral staff. And I thank you. 
We receive gifts as human beings, and we talk about this all the time around Christmas where a child, our children, receive gifts, and by the next week, we wonder where those gifts even went to. Similarly, if we're not careful, we come to a table of grace and we treat it trivially. We treat it immaturely. We forget to give thanks and receive it with thanksgiving in our heart. Shouldn't we? The same way we go crazy about a beautiful baby boy being dedicated to the Lord. The same way we go crazy about elk bugling in our ears. The same way we go crazy about the fall colors all around us and the the beauty of God's creation around us and the things that we're just like, oh, it's such a blessing, the full moon last night. Did you see it? Shouldn't we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, shouldn't we be even more overwhelmed at the, the gift of grace? God's love, undeserving of a foolish creature such as I. This morning I want to focus on the gratitude we should have for grace. That we might leave here this morning graceful. And I don't mean pirouetting on your way out, but full again of grace. Turn with me to uh, Luke's gospel quickly this morning. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. Powerful story that if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this. You remember this interaction that's going on here, starting with verse 11. Luke chapter 17 this morning. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, Jesus looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Not enough words there for me. Anybody else? How did it happen? I mean, like just walking and they looked down? Sorry. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. Praise God. And he fell down to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. We've learned in scriptures past how odd of an interaction a Samaritan and a Jew would have been. Verse 17, Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. I believe In the picture painted here, in these short verses, this passage of God's word for us today, the story of ten lepers, not one leper. It's not a story of one leper. It's a story of ten. Make no mistake about it. The reminders within this passage of Scripture help us to understand and to prepare for the traps of the enemy to cause us to lose sight of our gratefulness. 
A couple quick reminders from these verses for us this morning. The first, I've already said it, we all have leprosy. You're sick. I'm sick. Look to your neighbor right now and tell them they're diseased. (laughs) Tell them. Don't lift up their sleeve to look at their skin. That would be weird. But everyone in this room, every human being on this earth, every man, woman, and child born on God's green earth has a sickness. We're sick. We're broken. We're sinful. We cannot do right on our own. We choose rather our self over God's righteousness every day of the week. We are broken humanity. Can I say it this way? If you ever get to a place where you think you're good, roll up your sleeve and check again. You've got leprosy, it's in your core, it's in your DNA. Sickness is rampant in the human genome. And the disease we all have is sin. It might not look like leprosy. It may not show its face on our skin this morning. We may not be losing fingers and toes like those who literally had and have leprosy. But sin is the core disease of humanity. Scripture is clear about this. 1 Kings chapter 8 reminds us there is no one who does not sin. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 says, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Romans 3.23, many of us memorized it, all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. We are as a human race. Sick. That's the starting point. We've got to start there. The second reminder, we all need healing. Not only are we sick, but it's not enough for us to just acknowledge that we're sick. We need a fix. Uh, imagine with me. Imagine with me uh, someone finding out, uh, getting a, a blood result and finding out that they're sick. We, we know, we, we love to come alongside someone who finds out that they are sick for the first time and encourage them to pursue every kind of treatment imaginable to stop being sick. Right? We are confused in some instances when someone chooses not to pursue medical treatment because we know when something is broken, we need to fix it. We all need a healing. We are in the same lineage, the same line as these ten lepers. Scripture again reveals this to us again. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. We need saved from the bucket of destruction in my shop. We need saved from eternity away from God, our perfect, holy creator. We are destined because of our sickness We are destined for eternity away from Him. Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, Adam first sinned, 
And in this way, death comes to all mankind. Death is the inevitable end. We are all dying. Look to your neighbor and remind them that they're dying. We don't like to talk about it. That's awkward. Welcome to Hyde Wesleyan Church where we look at you and we tell you you're sick and you're dying. (laughs) But isn't it true? closer to death today than you were yesterday. You know that? We're sick and we need healing as it stands because of our sickness. Because of our disease, we are destined for death without the gift of eternal life. starting point for all humans. Not one of us is good enough to enter into heaven on our own. Not one of us can do enough good by our own merit. We cannot earn salvation and eternity with God. We are all destined for eternity apart from God because of our sickness, because of our sin, because of our human brokenness. Sin gains us only the promise of eternity apart from God with an eternal death. You want some good news? You're sick and you're dying. Third point, shout it from the rooftop, a cure is available. A cure is available. I said this in first service. Just imagine. Just imagine right now. Whatever disease you are connected to by your family. Heart disease, cancer, Huntington's disease. Whatever it is that plagues your connection. Your circles. Those things that have taken lives before they should have taken their lives. If a cure was made available, if you found out that all it takes, all it takes is this regimen, all it takes is this one pill, all it takes is this one treatment, if you knew it, if it was proven true, the world would go nuts. A cure for cancer? We talk about it all the time. You see the illustration? We're sick. We're dying. But there's a cure. His name is Jesus. If you don't know about him yet, hang out with us for a little bit. We would love to tell you about him. The second part of Romans 6.23 first part says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Through who? Through attending church? Through giving to repair to prepare? Through making sure you gave your pastor a card on Pastor Appreciation Sunday? It helps. It doesn't. (laughs) Jesus Christ our Lord. Only 
through Him. Salvation is found only through the Lord. Acts 4.12 Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men which we must be saved. The name of Jesus is the only name. John 14, 6, Jesus himself says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ our Lord. And let me remind you, healing is available. Healing. Freedom. Cleansing. It's available. And it doesn't have to be temporary. (laughs) It doesn't have to just be a good feeling you get on Sunday when you leave after church. This man, Jesus, God in flesh, wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to walk with you through a broken marriage. Or a breaking one. He wants to walk with you through a job that you hate. He wants to be there with you when you don't know how you're going to pay your rent. Or you don't know how you're going to send your child to school. Or you don't know how you're going to recover from this announcement from a doctor. Jesus offers to be there with you. And he offers you and me the gift of eternal life. The gift of salvation, freedom, and forgiveness from our disease called sin. You're sick. You're dying. There's a cure. And if you've received that cure, fourth reminder, be thankful. We must be thankful. Don't you love how this one leper receives his cleansing and he falls at the feet of Jesus? Don't you love to find yourself with that guy? Like, that would be me. You realize he's the odd man out here. It's much more common for us to receive the gift of grace in a moment. Maybe it was camp. Maybe it was church on a Sunday morning. Maybe it was revival. Maybe it was in your Sunday school class. Maybe it was at your, your, your bedside prayer time with mom and dad. And we receive this gift of grace. We give thanks for what is made available through the blood only through the name of Jesus Christ. We receive it. And then we go about our business. The cleansing is great, but there's life to do, right? Where are the other nine lepers, Jesus asks. And we know it's true to accept, it's easy for us to accept a gift with gratefulness in the moment. It's another thing altogether for us to live a life of gratitude. And we're taught all through Scripture that our lives, we must reflect this gift that we've been given through grace every day. Ephesians 5.20 The Apostle Paul, again to the early Christians in Ephesus, says, Sing, make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God. 
the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we prepare to give thanks in our hearts, to bow before the Lord and receive these elements, a wafer and some juice, representing the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus. Take a moment, brothers and sisters, to be graceful. To know the power within that word and that available gift from God our Father. Listen here to 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul is writing to uh, the early church, reminding them that every time they do this, to take time not to simply go through the motions. Allow these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to minister to your heart in this moment. Paul writes this way, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And Paul adds this very important reminder. In verse 27, Paul continues, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A person, verse 28, ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, without recognizing the gift of grace offered through Jesus Christ, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. So as we close our time of worship here together this morning, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if he is Lord of your life, if you are a Christian this morning, we invite you to join us at the table of grace. I'm going to ask that you stand with me this morning and we're going to bow our heads in prayer. And once I've said amen and we prepare these elements for you as a pastoral team this morning, I invite you to come down these two center aisles, receive at two stations either side here the gift of grace. Offered as symbols of God's Jesus' blood and body. Receive His grace. And you may exit back to your seat around the outside edge. But before you come forward, take a moment, acknowledging in your heart your sickness and your need for a healer. And celebrate in your heart the gift of the cure that's been made available to you by the grace offered from Jesus.
and give thanks. Be thankful, not just in this moment, but for everything. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, as we receive this gift of grace, as we celebrate with these simple elements, I pray, Lord, that you would write upon our hearts in this moment the truth of what you offer us each and every day. Would you guard our hearts against losing sight of these made available to us gifts of your body and your blood. Would you bless these simple elements? And Lord, would you take them and do a work in our hearts and lives, I pray. In Christ Jesus' name.